I'm Brody Vincent and you're watching Profession Session. My guest today is Luis Marcelo Mitre. He joined me today to give an absolute masterclass on how you can succeed in business by prioritizing the facts over your feelings. Just do things based on the fact and you will achieve whatever you want to achieve. He told me the story of how getting stranded during COVID became an absolutely transformative experience and shaped his career. I had to adapt, man. I started applying for jobs. At the time, nobody was hiring because it was COVID. So I just took the first job that offered me a position. And we went deep on why he has such a winning mindset and the things behind it. I stopped consuming things that weren't leading me to the places that I want to be. And honestly, I cut off people too that weren't going to lead me to the places that I wanted to be. We discussed sales principles that you can take away for any business and find immediate success. Once you learn how to speak to people on the phone and have that opening line that actually works, you can make a lot of money. As well as the story of how he went from entitled rich kid to humbling himself and finding incredible success on his own. I came to that realization that nobody owes you anything. Your dad might have money. It's not your money. You have to work for it and you have to acquire the skills necessary to get to the next level. You can't skip steps. Tune in to hear about a moment where the universe showed him a sign that was like a story right out of the Wolf of Wall Street that became the reason he's been able to make six figures a year for the last couple of years. The day that I quit, I literally asked the universe, please give me an opportunity where I can make $10,000 in six months. The next day, when I'm cleaning out my office, Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Profession Session. I'm Brody Vinson, and I'm on a mission not only to define professional greatness through the tactics and qualities behind it, but also to help anyone that's trying to achieve professional greatness do it through the lens of others that have achieved it before them. I couldn't be more thankful for everyone that helps me continue along this mission through being able to do this podcast. And if you've ever gotten any value out of it, I ask only two things in return. If you could share it in the same way that you found it with someone else that you think could get value it helps me so much and if you could also just hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet it helps me so much in just securing better and better guests for the show to share more impactful knowledge with you in this pursuit that we're both on for professional greatness so without further ado let's get on to this week's episode Luis thanks for being here thanks for having me I have a question for you to get started that we talked about if you were to teleport out of here and two minutes and you never saw me again what's the one piece of advice that you need to make sure that i get before you leave i think i would say or how i live my life how i personally think is always doing things based on the fact not on the feeling um, and what i mean by that is whatever goal you set out uh, to do that's a fact right you, you set out a goal that you wanted xyz and some days you're not going to feel like doing the work that's required to get that goal. And that's the feeling, right? Some days you might feel tired, some days you now might not feel motivated, which is a word that gets thrown out a lot. Um, and I just think you should do things based on the fact, not on the feeling of, you know, yourself feeling tired one day. And if you start living your life that way, doing things based on the fact, you'll notice your life start changing. I think that's, that's the number one thing that I always tell people 
uh, whenever they want to start coming up and, you know, whatever they want to start doing is just do things based on the fact and you will achieve whatever you want to achieve. How do you keep that top of mind? Because obviously, like anyone, you probably you probably have great days and terrible days, right? Exactly. How do you keep the fact top of mind even when you don't have the feeling? Um, I think it's just an internal dialogue that I always want to win and I've always had that. I think it comes from my dad because my dad is super competitive. He always he was always working when I was growing up and always trying to improve, always trying to give us a better life. Uh, so I think it comes from that, just wanting to win in everything that I do, whether it's a little, you know, pick up a soccer game or actually, you know, at work, I always try to win because that's just who I am. That's just what I do. I win. You've had that competitive mindset since day one. Tell me a little bit about growing up. Um, I, honestly, I grew up middle to high class. I never really had any financial issues growing up. I always, you know, had the new shoes, had the new clothes. I had a nice car in high school, vacations three, four times a year. So I never really knew financial struggle growing up. Um, had a great childhood. I can't really complain much. I grew up in Mexico, actually. I moved to the States when I was 15. Didn't really know any English, actually little to no English. And in Mexico, they teach you to just say, yes, 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 yes. So people would be like, <laughs> oh, what class are you going to? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of how, you know, I, I uh, my high school was at the beginning. But then it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned English. I made so many great friends and it led me to, you know, here. You told me about moving here and knowing no English, and I couldn't believe it because you, I mean, you don't even have the slightest accent now, so you've, you've been able to learn it perfectly to what I can tell. Um, what were some of the other challenges when you first moved here, aside from just learning the language that you, what was the, the adaptation process for you and, and where did that take you? I would say I, I was honestly depressed for a little bit, uh, mad at my parents because I had such a great life in Mexico. I had so many friends, um, you know, I had a great soccer team that I was playing on. And honestly, I was mad at my parents for making us move to Austin, Texas and start a new life. Um, so that was, that was a big challenge. Another big challenge was I used to get bullied all the time for my accent, all the time. And I used to come home sometimes crying to my mom, like these people don't like me because of how I speak. And eventually, you know, just like you said, I, I learned to have no accent because I just had to adapt and not get bullied anymore. Man. So it was kind of just like, like I'm in this new situation. I've got to figure out how to adjust to this, how to live in it. Yeah. What kind of skills do you think you picked up just as a person with, you know, going through that extreme period of adaptation? Um, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I was, I was young, it was, it was high school. So I, I don't really remember any like critical or like key things that I learned throughout those tough moments that I didn't know, you know, the language or the, or the different culture or the different, you know, how people perceive things is very differently than in Mexico. So that was, the, that was something that I had learned, but I had moved a lot throughout my childhood. Uh, you know, I was born in Georgia, moved to England when I was two and then from England, moved to Mexico, and then, you know, I've moved all over, so I've always kind of had that just adapt or or die, <laughs> I guess. Uh, you know, you just gotta survive. 
So I want to get into your story a little bit more here. We've kind of established like where you came from, like how you got here. You have another really extreme period of adaptation that we're going to get into here that yeah. is a pretty crazy story that kind of leads us to what you're doing now. Correct. Tell me a little bit about 2020. Yeah, so um, my senior year of high school, my dad gets offered a position in Australia, take a job out there, and he gives me the, the chance to either do my, my college in the States or go to Australia. I decided to go to Australia. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, long story short, 2020, I got offered an exchange program with uh, UCF, which is University of Central Florida here in Orlando. Go Knights. Yes, sir. Go on, baby. <laughs> Uh, so I get there January of 2020, exchange student, right? It was my last semester. I didn't really have any classes left. It was just a bunch of electives. I was taking like a fitness class, a wine drinking class. So I was bullshitting, honestly. Uh, that was January to March and then COVID happened. And I don't know if you know, but Australia had the strictest laws when it came to COVID. They completely closed down their borders. You couldn't even fly into to the airports. And even if you flew in, you had to quarantine for two weeks at a hotel that you had to pay yourself. So I was stuck here. No friends, no money, no car, no place to live. The dorm was kicking me out. I had two weeks to find a place. And just had to adapt, man. I started applying for jobs. At the time, nobody was hiring because it was COVID, right? So I just took the first job that, that, you know, that offered me a position, which was a multi-level marketing company that did door-to-door sales for car windshields. And that, that was my, that was my beginning, man. I don't think I had told you this yet, but, um, so I, I, our mutual connection, Zach, that introduced us, we actually had an internship one summer where we did something similar. We were, he told me he did door to door. I might have told you. Yeah. yeah. We did door to door, uh, sales for hurricane proof windows. And that's the first <laughs> experience I had with anything like that. And we were talking about how you had to kind of learn like the you had to learn to be able to tolerate rejection in the most extreme scenario, just going mm-hmm. door to door. I remember that too. I, I had people threatening to call the cops on me just because I was in their neighborhood. It oh, was that was like, an every week scenario. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and just that position. Uh, I mean, I started in April of 2020. Um, didn't know anything about sales, didn't know anything about windshields or, or anything. Uh, just kind of had to start doing it. And it was, it honestly sucked the beginning it absolutely sucked you know you're you're from florida so you know how hot it is mm-hmm. year round not just during the summer but year round you're sweating your ass off all starting day. in april that must have been awful yeah. yeah all day every day your your skin is all burnt you know you're getting people from florida some of them are super nice but there's some of them that are just complete assholes mm-hmm. um and obviously you just have to learn uh, to take it and not th- not take things personal and just kind of brush it off and that's, I would say, one of the main skill sets that I acquired going door to door is being able to brush off the nose and not take it personal because they aren't personal. They just don't want to buy from you or they don't need your product. You know what I mean? So once you kind of start seeing sales that way that, you know, this this person was a no, this person was a no, you just got to brush off the nose. Eventually, you will get a yes. You talked, we talked about something off air a little bit, the Mm -hmm. law of averages. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with this. Mm -hmm. Could you share just how you came to realize that? Just share like what that is and how that's played into your life a little bit. Yeah. Law of averages, basically more equals more. 
So the more people you talk to, the more sales you can get. The more emails you send, the more responses you'll get. Um, the more girls you talk to at a party, you might pick up, you know, one more, more, <laughs> more extra girl, right? Um, so it, it, it's just more equals more. And a great analogy that I always say is, let's say we're doing a three-pointer competition with Steph Curry, right? He gets five shots. He's going to score all five because he's that good. But you get 10 shots because you suck. You might score seven. You might score eight. You just beat Steph Curry just because you did more. And that's what I always thought. That's what I've always, like, uh, not thought, but, you know, my dad always used to say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard enough. But when talent works hard, unstoppable. And I think think of myself as a talented person, and that's why I work so hard because I've been giving the, I've been given the privilege that I have this talent. Why not work hard and make the best of it? You know what I mean? There is, um, there's so many things to draw from him, but one thing I, or one person I always think about in, in this kind of scenario is Kobe Bryant is he was known for not being the most naturally skilled person, even like mm -hmm. coming into the NBA, he was, he was great, but he wasn't like the top player in the court or mm -hmm. anything, but he came in and he would practice like two, three times a day when everyone else was practicing one time a day, he exactly. was in there like every morning just putting in way more reps, doing the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you kind of reach this point where you've worked so much harder than everyone that you've caught up to them. And then you've got this momentum where you pass them. And by the time they realize they pass, you passed them, they're never going to catch up because you've just built that momentum. Snowball effect. The snowball effect. Exactly. Where have you seen that play into your life and how has that changed your trajectory? Like um, doing more? working hard. Uh, I mean, now, you know, my life has completely changed using that law of averages and just doing more. Um, I'm doing private health insurance sales now, which the my story of how I ended up there is just absolutely crazy because once I got promoted from Orlando to West Palm Beach to run my own office, uh, at the office building itself, I was on the downstairs floor the health insurance sales where I'm working at now is on the second floor. Long story short, the day that I quit, um, I literally asked the universe to give me an opportunity where I can make $10,000 in a month in six months. Very clearly, I just said, universe, please give me an opportunity where I can make $10,000 in six months. At the time, I was starting to get into universal laws, law of attraction, cause and effect, you know, positive vibes, all those things that I truly believe in now because my life has changed due to believing in those things. Um, so that night, I asked the universe for that solution. The next day, when I'm cleaning out my office, I walk out to the parking lot. There's this guy leaning on his, I think it was, yeah, it was a Corvette. Brand new Corvette, super nice rims, nice wing on it. I'm a car guy, so I saw the car and I'm like, yeah, nice car. We start vibing, you know, I, we start talking, whatever. And I'm like, what do you do, bro? Because he's like this young guy in a suit, looks sharp, has a nice car. I'm like, what do you do? Oh, I sell health insurance. And there's a bunch of nice cars in the parking lot. GTRs, McLarens, AMGs, just all M3s, all kinds of nice cars. And I'm like, are these cars all, all you guys? He's like, yeah. How much do you make? Uh, I made like five grand this week. Decent week. Like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> No way, show me. Pulls out his Chase deposit from US Health Advisors. It was like 
4939 bucks. Who do I talk to, bro? Send me the contact. I text to the manager. Next day, I come in for interview, and I start the next day. Not the next day, the next week. That's crazy. It's literally like the story from Wolf of Wall Street where he, Exactly. The Donnie the yeah, Donnie story. We talked about that. Exactly. It's literally bro. the Donnie story. Exactly. And it's so interesting. You just you kind of put it out there. You just got something. I want to talk about the law of attraction for a second because I also believe in it. My personal opinion is with the law of attraction is I think that people get it wrong a lot of times. I think people think of it and they think, oh, if you just say something you just think something it'll just come to you it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way i think what it does is it focuses you i think if you kind of put something out there like that it starts to incrementally cause you to take the actions that put you in that direction what's been your experience kind of first learning about it and and kind of putting that into practice how does that look like when you put something out there a goal a, a mission like that how does that start to look? How do, how do things change? Um, I think first it starts with the vision. You have to envision what you want and be specific to the T of what you would like your life to look like, what you're wearing, what car you drive, what the interior is, um, you know, what watch you have. Like if you want those materialistic things, you have to be extremely specific of what you want. And you also have to attach the feeling that you get whenever you get those things. A crazy thing that I learned maybe two to three months ago is the power of the subconscious mind. Um, and a, a great exercise for this is if you close your eyes and you think of a big, fat, juicy lemon, right? You, you cut a lemon, you think of a big, fat, juicy lemon, you stick that lemon in your mouth, feel that juice. It's sour. Right? Your mouth is watering. Yep. But... It's not, you know, it's not in this re- it's not in this current reality. It's not in your conscious mind. It's in your so your subconscious mind just did a bodily action without you even thinking about it, without it you being in your current reality, but you were thinking about it in your subconscious mind. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like once I started realizing the actual power of the subconscious mind and what you truly believe in and what you put in your head, your life would start to change. I stopped listening to rap music because all those lyrics and all those things are programming your mind to think that certain way. I only listen to positive rap or I only listen to not music that doesn't even have any words anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because all those things are programming your mind, your subconscious mind, and will essentially determine what your life looks like. What are some of the other habits? That's interesting about not listening to rap. What are some of the other habits you've picked up that are because of that realization? Um, I would say that that's the main thing. And also like consuming content that doesn't lead me to my goals. I used to watch all kinds of sports all the time, hi- uh, sports highlights and just vlogs about dumb shit like uh, the Nelk Boys. I used to watch mm-hmm. the Nelk Boys all the time. Which is cool, you know. They're funny. They made a big, big brand of you know, a big name of themselves. But it wasn't really providing any value to me to where I want to be. Um, and it's also programming your mind into the the way that they think, which isn't going to lead me to where I want to be. So I would say just I stopped consuming things that weren't leading me to the places that I want to be. 
And honestly, I cut off people too that weren't going to lead me to the places that I wanted to be. I only surround myself with people that have that, that same mindset as me. I have very few friends. I probably can count them with, with one hand because I don't really associate myself with people that aren't positive. Because when you associate people, when you associate yourself with people that are constantly nagging you or constantly putting you down, that's taking energy from you. And when they're taking energy from you, that's only putting you down, not putting you up. How do you identify the wrong people? Very quickly. The moment you start complaining to me, honestly, I, I cut you off. I, I stop you. Like, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to hear that. Why are you telling me this? How can I help? Like, you know, what you're telling me, whatever you're telling me, how can I provide some value to that? And if I can't, don't even tell me. I don't care. You know what I mean? And and it might it might sound like a dick or it might sound mean, but you sometimes you have to be selfish. Sometimes you you have to think for yourself and and stop giving your energy to other people because that's wasted energy. I think it's uh it all comes down to your focus, right? Like it's mm-hmm. you've got this incredible focus that I've been able to see exhibited from like the things that you're saying do you think that's something that you always had with that winning mindset i mean winning yes but focus no um i just i see and i've seen young young guys killing it i've seen young millionaires you know um and and in my head it's like if these guys are doing it i can do that shit too so once I started developing that mindset that anything is possible, if you simply just put the vision plus the action, you will get the result. You will have a, road, a lot of roadblocks. And whenever you get those, you know, those bad things, quote unquote, bad things that happen to you, you're just, I say you're just getting tested by the universe. The universe is testing you to see if you actually want it. Or if you were just, ah, I want it, but... You know, I, I just want it to come easy. When you get when those tough moments happen and you pull through, it's like, okay, he actually wanted it. Let's give it to him now. That's how I think. Tell me about your toughest moment ever and how you overcame it. Toughest moment. Um I mean I I it could would be s- like a rock bottom, it could be like the biggest hurdle that got thrown in your way, a moment of existential crisis. I don't think I've had that moment yet, um, but I, w- I would say whenever I became an owner and started running my own you know, door-to-door, I guess, company, is it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. Really, the only reason why I accepted that position and accepted me getting promoted was because a year ago, I had told myself that I was going to be an owner. And when I saw all the guys that were currently owners, honestly, I thought of them not really like anything special. I always said, these guys aren't shit, honestly. And I, I could be doing this. You know, I could be, I could be an owner of this door-to-door sales, whatever. And that was literally the only reason why I took that position was because, again, the fact was that I told myself a year ago that I was going to be an owner. So I couldn't just quit and call it, you know, be a pussy about it whenever the the tough times came. So I would say my rock bottom was maybe two to three months in into the business 
realizing that it wasn't something that I truly wanted to do. And I was miserable. Uh, you know, like I said, I've always done I've always done things based on the fact and not on the feeling. And I started noticing that I wasn't doing the things because I was feeling down or I was feeling, you know, quote unquote, sad or depressed. Um, and I stopped doing doing the things that were necessary. So at that moment, I realized, like, you can't keep doing this to yourself. Just quit. And it was the first job that I had I'd ever voluntarily quit. All the jobs that I had previously worked, um, you know, the reason for me leaving was because I moved. It wasn't for something that I, you know, just quit the job. So it was getting over that, like, quitting mentality. Um, but my dad said something super important to me, which was sometimes you got to take one step back to take two steps forward. And that was exactly my situation. I took one step back. And at the time, it seemed like such a big failure. I'm a brand new business owner, four months in, and I just quit. But it ended up being the best decision that I ever made because I took that step back. But immediately a day after, the universe gave me the opportunity that I was looking for, which is just insane, crazy. Wow. How do you balance that? Like, how do you, how do you recognize when it's not just burnout or a little bit of hardship and it's actually something where you, you need to make a change? What does that actually look like? Um, what's the internal that, dialogue? That, that's a good question. Honestly, I, I, I don't really know because it was, I think, I think for me personally, it was the, the fact that I, that I wasn't doing the things in the business anymore. You know, I was coming in late. I wasn't training anymore. I wasn't really going out in the field and selling when I knew I needed to do it because my sales rep weren't getting the job done. So I had to do it myself. And I, I came to the point where I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to do that. So I think that was the moment for me where I realized that's not you. You've never been that way. So it's time to make a change. And it sounds like it's worked out really well. Yeah. What is the biggest thing that you're trying to manifest right now? <laughs> a lot of things. Um, I would say I want to be a millionaire before I'm 30. Liquid cash millionaire. Uh, not assets, but having liquid, um, you know, over a million dollars in in my liquid assets, for sure. Why is that important to you, that number specifically? Because I don't think anyone in my family is a millionaire. I want to be that first millionaire. I want to show that, you know, if you truly believe and if you truly work, you are capable. I like this tangent. I, I have similar things that I think about where it's like, no one in my family has done it before. I want to be the first to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm in my MBA program right now, and uh, it's really strenuous. It's like working full-time. I'm doing the podcast. I'm in a two-year MBA program. It's two night classes every single week and leaves me very little flexibility. It's it's a pain in the ass a lot of times, and I think that's the thing that's kind of kept me going is I would be the first. Exactly. I think there's a lot of power in that kind of driving force is like, taking it a step further, like taking your family legacy further than it's gone before you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's obviously there's people that, you know, are millionaires at our age, right? 
Um, and how, you know, how, what I said before is if they're doing it, that means you can do it too. The only variable is time. They've just done it for longer than you. They have more skills than you, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just going to take more time. That's the only variable. How do you come to grips with that and, and curate the patience that it takes to be able to? It's hard. It's hard because, um, I mean, they always say enjoy the process, but sometimes enjoying the process fucking sucks. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. especially on tough weeks that, you know, you don't make any money or you don't make any sales. It's like, damn, this sucks. But then you have a great week and you're on top of the world. So it's it's just finding a balance of like, am I moving forward today? Am I doing what's necessary to hit my goals today? And if you are, that's the only thing you can control because you can't really control outside factors. You can only control, you know, yourself. I want to talk about management a little bit too. Obviously you've moved into a little bit different position recently, but you had the experience managing the team before of about 12 people you said at the peak. Yeah. What are the biggest things that you learned about people having had to manage a lot of them at once? That everyone's different. You can't, um, you know, on some people you can be a dick and they respond well. And for some people that you can be a dick and they quit. You know, so it's finding how to talk to that certain person and how to motivate them and why they're doing whatever they're doing. You know, finding the solution to their problem. And I would also say, and I didn't used to do this, but my my current manager right now, which I want to give a shout out to, um, Mr. Silverman, he gives and gives and gives and gives and never expects anything in return. And I think he's the number one um, we call FTA. He's the number one manager in the company. Billion dollar company, he's the number one. Wow. And there's a reason why. He just gives and gives and invests in, in his people always. Uh, and it's something that I have learned from him that, you know, it, it just works. You have to invest in your people. And if you don't, they're not going to invest in you. And it, I don't, you know, by investing, it, it's not necessarily giving them money, but investing time, you know, um, uh, giving them a gift card if they hit their goals, like, you know, buying them some shoes if if they did something well or like little shit like that adds up and they will start, I guess, investing more into you because you're investing into them. Give and you shall receive. What is the biggest thing that could happen to you in the next six months that would completely transform your career? I would say my social media taking off and... I truly believe that it can be an infinite lead source because I mean, social media is so scalable. It's, you know, literally billions of people. So I think once that hits, once, you know, I have a consistent stream of clients coming through social media, my life will just take a complete 180. I think it's one of those things too, just going back to the doing more, you've just got to do more of it and put more out there. Yeah. I hear uh, Alex Hormozzi talk about that a lot, where he's mm-hmm. just like, he had this realization, like, I think he talked to, uh, do you know who Grant Cardone is? Yeah. He tells this story all the time on podcasts and stuff, where he was like, I talked to Grant Cardone and asked him, like, how to have the success he's had, and he was like, you've just got to do way more. Yeah. Do way, way more than you're doing right now. I'm doing five, six, seven, eight times as much as you, that's why I'm much more successful. Exactly. And that was that was literally me when I first started with, with the health insurance. I made it a point to 
just do more because I simp I sucked, you know, at the beginning. I didn't know how to talk on the phone. And the only way for me to get to the level of these people that, you know, had been there for a year, two years was by simply just outworking, just doing more. Um, so, you know, the average dials was three to 400. I made it a point to double that to make 800 dials a day wow. for three, four months straight. And that's what got me to the position that I'm at now because I simply did more, so I caught up. And now I have the same amount of talent, but I am also working harder than them. One thing I wanted to revisit as well is going back to, you know, you mentioned that you grew up middle to high class. You didn't really have to worry about money growing up. And there's so many examples of people who grow up in a kind of scenario like that and they they don't really ever find drive in themselves, mm -hmm. I think. And then there's examples like you where you have, and you had shared with me off air that you felt like you at one point had kind of this sense of entitlement almost. Yeah. And I think that's changed for you. It sounds like, could you tell me a little bit about that journey and just take, just take me on that journey for yourself and how that's been? Absolutely. I mean, when I started doing door to door, I thought I was too good for it. Um, you know, because the, the people that I was working with honestly weren't that sharp. You know, they, they didn't come from the same backgrounds that I that I came from. And those were my friends. You know, I used to hang out with, quote unquote, you know, rich friends, whatever. Uh, so I came into this job and I was dealing with completely different people from completely different backgrounds that weren't as privileged as me. So I kind of had this sense of I'm better than these people. But then, you know, it, it was it, <laughs> it was probably a week of me eating shit going door to door that I came to the realization that these people opening the door don't know that you were a rich kid, bro. They give zero fucks. You know what I mean? You could be a rich kid or you could be a poor kid. They're going to treat you the same way. So I came to that realization that nobody owes you anything. Your dad might have money. It's not your money. You know what I mean? So it was, it was just having that realization of nobody owes you anything. You have to work for it. And you have to acquire the skills necessary to get to the next level. You can't skip steps. What's step number one if you're trying to get to that point? What's the first skill to acquire? Learning how to take rejection. Be because it, you know, it's it's for everything. You know, if you're trying to grow a social media channel or uh, Instagram, whatever, and you post three times a day, nobody's liking your shit. Nobody's commenting on your shit. That's rejection. People are rejecting your content. Um, and it applies for anything. You know, if you don't know how to take rejection and you take it in a personal way, you'll never get anywhere. So I think that's step number one is learning how to accept rejection and not take it personal. If you were to talk to a younger Luis before he had figured that out, what's the one thing that he needed to hear to get him over the hump and be better at taking rejection? You'll make it, just keep trying keep trying that's it what's the worst piece of advice that you've ever gotten maybe that that thing that you mentioned earlier about the law of attraction that you can just think of things and they magically appear into your life um, because it doesn't work that way I wish it did <laughs> you know it's it's you visualizing you having that exact vision of what you want but the most important thing is action and the second most important thing is 
having faith that it's going to happen. If you don't believe that it's going to happen, it is never going to happen. And a great saying that I forgot who said this, but I, I repeat it in my head maybe 50 times a day is starve your fear, feed your faith. Starve your fear, feed your faith. I haven't heard that before. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Starve your fear, feed your faith. Because if you feed into your fear, it's going to happen. Whatever you fear and you keep thinking about it, it's going to happen. Whenever I have fearful thoughts, I click. You can't think that way. Think of the opposite. And also, with the law of attraction, if you say, I don't want X, Y, Z, don't do it that way. What do you want? When you catch yourself saying, I don't want shitty clients. I don't want uh, to have no money in my bank account. Well, what do you want? I want financial abundance. I want great clients. I want a fit body. Think of what you do want, not think of what you don't. It puts your focus on those things and then the steps to getting those become more clear. Exactly. Exactly. On your journey so far, what have been what have been the hurdles that you think kind of that people come across in any industry that like if you gave someone the shortcuts to to the overcoming those hurdles, they could overcome. What do you mean? So what are like, what are the, the parallels that you think kind of happen in any industry when people are starting out in the first three years of their career that you think if you knew like a couple things, you could just overcome those and get where you're going way more quickly. Um, I think for me it was, I thought it was going to come much quicker than it has come. Um, you know, there, there's guys in the, you know, in the health insurance business today, you know, that work in my office that have had more success than me in a shorter amount of time. And sometimes you can see that way or you see that success and be like, damn, you know, what are they doing that I'm not doing? It's just not your time yet. Your time will come. You just have to keep going. And, um, a, a great point as well is comparison is the, the killer of all joy. When you compare yourself to other people, you feel like shit because, you know, just, just like I told you earlier, there's, there's guys RH that are killing it. that are you know, making millions of dollars a year. And if you c- compare yourself to those people, you'll feel like shit. You just have to be grateful of what you do have, not what you don't have. Do you consume much social media yourself? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that because Twitter. of social media. Twitter, mostly. Twitter guy? Yeah, big Twitter guy. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not much of a Twitter guy myself. Why Twitter for you? I actually learned a lot of uh, stuff on Twitter. Um, sales. I follow a lot of sales guys on Twitter. A lot of crypto news, stock market news. Honestly, that's where I like learn about news is on Twitter is mostly the content that I consume. And I stop um, like, you know, those Instagram models and and fitness models, I stop following all that shit because it's literally frying your your dopamine receptors. Because you're seeing that all day and it's like, bro, it's not real life. Mm -hmm. It's just the highlights. And I feel like Twitter is a little bit more personal 
in, in the terms that you can learn a lot more things on Twitter um, and actually useful stuff. So that's the, the content that I try to consume. Do you like threads? No. Have you gotten into it much? No. What's the biggest difference that you've seen that kept you off of it compared to Twitter? I haven't even downloaded it, honestly. You haven't? No. Interesting. I've seen a lot of memes, though. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of memes about it. I tried it out early on, like the first couple weeks, because I always felt like I kind of missed the boat with Twitter. I Just for some reason, it didn't stick with me. And I might give it another try after this podcast, honestly. But I tried out threads, and I I don't know. It just like... It It wasn't hitting? It didn't catch me the same way, but I think... It's, I think it's my own attention span. I think like, I think if more people kind of train their attention spans to allow for, for that, more of that reading and that actual like good knowledge consumption, I think that's where it needs to head. Yeah. What are the biggest books or sources of information, content creators, influences that have really shaped you along this journey? Um, I would say one book that changed the way I thought was, I think it's called Law of Attraction, honestly. That's the name of the book. And it completely changed my mindset, completely changed the way I view things. That's a good one. Obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad completely changes the way you see finances. And you see it a lot, especially, um, you know, at the, at the office that I'm at here in health insurance. There's some guys that, you know, make a lot of money their first year. $200,000 and they've never, they've never made that kind of money before and just blow it. And two years in they're 30 K in debt with a nice car though, <laughs> you know? So it's like reading those books and having that, I guess, knowledge of what can happen and what you should do. If you're trying to get to the next step, I think it's super important because yes, you can make money, but can you keep it? Can you multiply it? That's much harder. I know one of the big ideas in that, right? I actually, funny enough, I've never read it. I need to read that whole book, but I know one of the big ideas in it is about like appreciating assets versus depreciating assets, right? Mm -hmm. One thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is thinking about yourself as a appreciating asset Hmm. versus a depreciating asset. Yeah. I think having that focus kind of puts you, it, it draws you in the direction of like, bringing skills to yourself, finding more knowledge, taking care of yourself and just kind of multiplying what you're able to do as a person. I think that's a, that's an important note I wanted to talk about. I just kind of thought of that the other day. Like there's so much focus on only choosing appreciating assets right now, but I think few people actually stop to think of themselves as appreciating assets. It's very, very true. And I think there's, there's a stigma with like, online coaches you know a lot of them are scams but some of them are super valuable you know they charge maybe three to five thousand dollars to to coach you and you might see it as damn that's a lot of money but look at college you know you're paying a hundred k a hundred k in debt to have a title that you're not even going to use i've never used my title i was privileged enough that my parents paid for my college uh, but some people don't have that opportunity and they get in debt just because society says so, just because they won a title. Um, and honestly, it you know if you're not doing, you know like an MBA or doctor or lawyer or something like that, and you're getting like a liberal liberal arts degree, and then you get into sales, 
you're never going to use that degree. You know what I mean? But let's say you spent $5,000 on a coach that is actually helpful and actually teaches you how to sell and teaches you how to overcome negatives. That $5,000 might turn into a hundred K in a year because of those skill sets that you learned. Do you invest in anything like that yourself or yeah. have you had examples that really stick out as like things that were turning points for you? Yeah. I mean, um, when I first started my social media, I invested on, you know, a social media coach, a pretty hefty amount at the time. And it's helped me a lot. It's helped me a lot just in the way that, you know, creating content and, and what to do and, you know, how to look at trends and things like that. And it's just opened up my mind and I've learned new things that I, I think it's it it was worth it, you know, and I'll keep investing in things like that because it has helped me and it has propelled me, you know, to to higher steps, I guess. I interviewed success. someone not too long ago that's pretty far along in his career now. He's I want to say he's mid 30s um, and he he's in the recruiting world. And one thing he's a multi multi-millionaire at this point and one of the big things that he shared with me is he from a young age always chose to invest five percent at least of his income into further educating himself every single year mm -hmm. and it just compounds more and more and more yeah every year it gets bigger because you add skills that allow you to make more that allow that five percent to become bigger and bigger and at the time i interviewed him he was in a group that he was paying $68,000 a year for. That was, and that, that was, was his 5%. That was some of his 5%. Exactly. And it just gets bigger and bigger. And I think like, mm -hmm. I think having that focus, so many people get out of college and they're like, that's it. I did the thing. I'm exactly. done. Like I, I learned it all. Now I just, I get paid for it. And I think having that mindset of just continuing to educate yourself is important. Mm -hmm. For sure. You have to. What is the thing that you, what is the biggest gap that you see in yourself right now that you need to educate yourself on? Um, I would say learning how to, how to scale, you know, a, a, a 20, $30,000 a month business to a hundred thousand dollar a month business. I think that's the biggest hurdle that I have to get through because there's levels, you know, once you make that ten thousand ten thousand dollar a month you realize that that's not much right and then you want to get to that 20 and once you get to that 20 you want to get to that 50 and from 50 to 100 obviously you know that's a big step there's a lot of skills that need to be acquired to get to that step so i think it's that big hump of going from you know a 20 to 30k a month business to 100k a month business what does that look like day to day running a business Brian. like that Grind. I mean, I, I work eight from eight to one thirty ish. I go work out, come back to the office at three and then I stay from three to 1030. That's Monday through Thursday on Friday. I usually do the same thing, but I leave maybe around nine, nine thirty. Uh, Saturday, nine to three ish, four. And then Sunday I do a nice little four to seven, four to eight. No days off. Hours. No days off. And what is uh what does your outreach strategy look like? I think a lot of people getting into sales, starting a new business, maybe making a change or just trying to improve on their own. Like what is what is good organic outreach to you? I like, slam the dialer. 
Just start calling people. Slam the dialer. That's the number one moneymaker. Um, because once you learn how to speak to people on the phone and have that opening line that actually works, you can make a lot of money because it's not just health insurance. I could start selling homes. I could start selling cars. I could, st- you know, whatever it is that I'm selling, I already have that initial, you know, how to talk to someone when they answer the phone. And that's a skill. You know what I mean? So I think slamming the dialer, obviously I, I, I want to kind of get away from that because it's, it sucks. You know, it sucks being there all day, just calling people. And that's why I want to scale my social media because again, I think that can be just a, such a valuable source of leads, of qualified leads. One thing we talked about off air a little bit too, is how you have to learn to build trust with people to be successful in sales. I think that's a huge thing on the phone. If I'm someone that's trying to figure out how to be better on the phone and I, and especially if like I might be approaching someone who might have skepticism about where I'm coming from and I have to be able to dispel that, what, what does that look like to you? Like I'm, I'm someone that you called, what are your, what are you saying to me typically? Like if you're skeptical, yeah. If, if you get the feeling that I might be skeptical, like, or just what is your approach with meeting someone new on the phone in general? Like how do you overcome that and build that trust quickly? I mean, obviously it depends on the person. Like, you know, if I call, you know, cause I, I can see like, you know, the age of the lead. So, so if I call someone like you, a 25 year old, I'm going to talk to them a lot differently than I'll call a 60, 60 year old, right? You have to learn how to speak to different people and kind of speak their dialect a little bit. Like when I talk to someone from Alabama, I might do a little accent, like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here and there, just things that can like just maximize your business. Um, and it's, it's doing little things that can help you. They might not help, but they might, or they might not help, but they might help. So you have to do it anyway, because that 1%, you know, might, might get you to the level that you want to be at. So true. What are, uh, what are the things that you are actively looking to improve on in your personal life right now outside of work? Cause I think a really important thing about kind of having like the whole cohesive picture is like, you've got to have everything. You've got to kind of take care of your personal life to be able to excel in your professional life. So what are the things that you think are going well and are not going well personally that play into your professional life? I agree with that. And I kind of want to get into that because I feel like people, you know, want work life balance. And I look at balance from a macro perspective, not a micro perspective. So people look at balances. I work nine to five, five, I come home, you know, I come to the wife, to the kids, whatever, cook food. And then, you know, whatever you do from your five to 10 and that's balance, right? How I look at balance is, from 21 to however old, 28, however long it takes me to reach that financial status that I want to reach, I'm going to work. That's literally all I'm going to do. And once I reach that goal, then I can have all the balance that I want. So it's look like balance from, you know, all your life kind of perspective instead of looking at it from a day to day. Obviously, I still take care of myself. I go to the gym every day. 
I try to take my girl out on dates on the weekend um, and some have some level of balance. But my business is my priority right now because that's what I want to do. I chose to do this. It's not, you know, I have to work. My, and when my parents call me on a Sunday and I'm working, it's like, why are you working on a Sunday? Because I want to. It's not that my boss is calling me, my manager is calling me and saying, why aren't you here? Almost, you know, I would say 20 to 30% of the office shows up on a Sunday. I chose to be here because that extra day is what separates me from a great agent to an amazing agent. Do you still get burned out sometimes? Of course. What does that look like for you personally and how do you combat that? Do more. Fuck your feelings, do more. <laughs> Is Are there ever times where that's not enough and you have to give yourself some kind of break or some kind of like yeah and recharge a, a great example of this actually was um you know my rookie year i just finished my my rookie year maybe two months ago i started in june of 2022 and there was this bonus thing going on uh, that if you get first place you get 30 grand second place 25 grand all the way up to 10th place maybe like two to three grand in terms of a bonus um, there was three months left out of my competition and I was sitting in eighth place with like a, I think it was five grand, five grand bonus. And I said, I can't get eighth place, bro. You're, you're not eighth place. You cannot get eighth place. So I put myself like through eight to 11 every single day, no days off. I ended up getting second place. But before I hit my big, I call it the the J curve, you know, you, you go like this and then all of a sudden you just fucking take off. Hockey stick. Exactly. Um, my J curve moment happened after I went to EDC Las Vegas, which I was going to cancel because I was so focused on getting that goal of hitting first place. Um, you know, I called my boy Zach because mm -hmm. I was going with Zach and I'm like, hey, bro, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go uh, because, you know, I got this going on. I don't know if, you know, if if it's worth it for me to go down there. It's going to be a waste of time. I, I want to be down here attending clients, you know, getting sales. And it ended up being the best thing that I ever did, because once I came back, I had my best week ever in business and shit just took off because maybe I was in a better headspace. Maybe I was a little bit more relaxed. Maybe I wasn't so uptight because I had fun. I had fun for three, four days, kind of let loose, partied, had a great time, came back and absolutely killed it. So maybe I needed that. Um, so sometimes whenever you have those moments, you just kind of need to kind of turn off the switch and and go go enjoy some time with your girl, go enjoy some time with your family, with your dog, whatever you have to do. And however long it takes you, for me, it was three days. And by the third day, I didn't even want to be at EDC anymore. I wanted to be dialing. That's that's how good those two days was of me being there and just partying and, and enjoying myself. That by the third day, I already wanted to be back. So I think it's identifying whenever you feel that way and just doing something for yourself that's going to help you feel better. Yeah, I think that's important too. I, I've definitely had moments where I went on like a little trip or something that yeah. I had planned and you know, leading up to it, I was like 
I don't know if I even want to go on this. Like, I, I feel like I have to completely, like, just put my nose to the grindstone to even, like, allow for the kind of flexibility to go on this. And then I go on it, I come back, and I just feel great. Exactly. I think every once in a while you have to recharge. You but it's to. so hard to find that balance. Like it, it is, especially because of how social media portrays it. Like, you need to be grinding all the time. You, mm-hmm. you cannot take days off. You can, like, never take any sort of day off. And sometimes you have to, bro. Sometimes, you know, there has to be some little balance as far as your personal life and you feeling good. Because if you don't feel good, you're going to perform like shit. Yeah. I want to talk about the gym a little bit too. Why the middle of the day for you? I've tried the morning and by 8 p.m. I'm falling asleep on the phone. And if I go, you know, after 11 it's too late man so middle of the day kind of breaks my day and it just gets my mind off of you know dialing and and attending clients that i can just enjoy myself 40 40 45 minutes go in the sauna i visualize in the sauna for 15 minutes close my eyes and that's that's my day to day just kind of recharges you in the middle of the day exactly Exactly. I like that perspective. What are some other self-improvement habits similar to the gym that you think serve you well? Walking outside. It's a big one for me. I walk outside in the morning every single day. Twice a day for me. Same thing in the morning, 7 a.m. Um, I'm actually training my cat right now on a leash, so he comes out there. With <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out I've, there with me. I've never seen someone walk a cat on a leash, but that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So 7 a.m. Um, I don't take my phone. Just go by myself and just be grateful. Be grateful for all the things that I do have because I don't think Americans realize how privileged they are. How privileged they are just to have the things that you guys have here. Like every house has running water. Every house has, you know, flooring. I remember when I was in Mexico, we did like this exam of like our demographics and some of the questions i didn't understand because it was like what kind of flooring does your house have dirt tile wood no flooring what kind of roof no roof laminate roof um you know uh, whatever other kind of roofs there are uh do you have running water do you have a bathroom like it was questions like that that it was that i was like damn people really live that like that like that Mm -hmm. and we we don't see it that way people that have never been in a third world country don't fucking get it and they complain about first world problems when i got here um you know i remember one of my teachers said i had adhd it's like what is adhd i don't know what that is that's that's a first world thing in mexico they just fucking spank you and say pay attention You know what I mean? Like things like that, that in first world countries, they exist and they're prevalent. They don't really exist in third world countries because you don't think about that. You think about other shit that's a lot more important. Do you think that people will always find a way to have problems? Always. I think so too. I think that, I mean, when I think about even just my own life, which is my personal best reference point, obviously, there's... There's just always some kind of problem. Even if you have great success in one area, there will be problems that come about in others. And I think it's just about kind of understanding that and 
being able to combat that. I like the point about um, just the, the privilege in America too. I think it's important for everyone to do some kind of traveling to be able to see that because exactly. and you mentioned third world countries. I've even been to first world countries where I was very surprised by things. Like I went to, um, I went to Europe and I found out that in a lot of European countries, they just they don't they, have AC. that or they don't have a dryer they hang their clothes still they've got to do that like the old-fashioned way like there's so many little things that we have here that we take for granted that just like you can use as a tool to create and fuel for yourself exactly like people don't realize how privileged they are just to be born here bro (laughs) you know you have so many things in this country that it's unlimited resources where other countries it's not like that yeah what are some of the resources that you've been able to tap into recently that you think could help someone that's maybe watching or listening this like little like resources that help you just throughout your week throughout your month that maybe technology that you've found ai stuff what are some things that you're taking advantage of that you think could help anyone um, I don't know about anyone, but as far as my sales process, I have a lot of, uh, we call it dripping, which is like texting platforms that just automatically text people for me, you know, every day. And it's while I'm dialing, I have people, you know, that, that are getting texted on that, are, you know, respond and I'm, I'm not doing any work, but AI is doing that kind of work for me. So I'm pretty much three Xing, you know, what I'm doing because I'm dialing. I have a software that texts people. I have a software that emails people so it's like you know i'm doing multiple things at once but i'm actually only doing one thing i've got one i've got to show you for linkedin that i've been trying out recently that's freaking awesome like it's just it's a drip campaign like that it's i'll show you mine you'll you'll like them for linkedin yeah let's do a little ai (laughs) trade-off yeah the one i use for linkedin is it's dripify i'll probably do a video on it soon actually because it's been crazy it's like the response rate and reply rate and like the message, like the amount of messages I get back is nuts, but just like the, as far as like a conversion rate perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think technology like that is amazing right now. You mentioned yeah. doing like 800 dials a day. Um, you hit like a certain threshold where, I mean, if you're working all day, you could do that, but you hit, you hit a certain threshold where you're simply just like limited. You can only work so much. Output that you can give. Exactly. And finding, unique creative ways to do that through AI, I think is the move right now. Mm -hmm, For sure. And that's why I think that decision of me leaving door to door was, was so clear is, is because it wasn't really scalable, bro. You know, the, the top guy had been there 16, 17 years and was making maybe half a million year. And I asked myself, is that what you want to make? Is that who you want to be? And the answer was very clear, no. So why are you having these people as your mentors? So choose your mentors wisely and they will lead you to you know, the right path if you choose them wisely. Now my mentors are making insane amounts of money. Then I'm like, God damn, <laughs> I need to get there. You know what I mean? But I'm surrounding myself with those people. And honestly, those people just wanna help. Like, um, you know, I'm pretty big into gym stuff, fitness stuff. I used to, I, I actually did a competition where I coached myself and won the competition. Um, 
so I'm big into fitness stuff. And when people come up in the gym and ask me for advice and, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? I always love, you know, giving advice to people and, and helping them out. And I feel like people have the wrong, I guess, um, they have a misconception of, you know, how successful people are. And they're just, they're the same as you. They just had success in their life in whatever area you're looking for. And they actually want to help people come up and have that same success. Like all the guys that I hang out with, they want me to win and I want them to win. And when you hate on people winning, you're basically telling the universe you hate winning. I like that. I like that point about choosing your mentors carefully too. I was another thing I was thinking about recently is cause I've had, I've had a couple jobs that I've looked back on and, and for a little bit kind of like wondered if I should have stayed longer, wondered if I quit at the wrong time, if I was just giving up. And I realized I don't have any regrets about those because there's been so many opportunities where I, that I had where I was like, like you said, I looked at the person at the top and I was like, I don't want to be that person. Exactly. I don't want that life. Exactly. Why am I here if that's what getting to the top feels like? And so I think it's such an important point to find a, an area to be in, like a an avenue to be in where the top is what you want. Like yeah. the people at the top have the kind of life that you want to have and have reached the kind of thing that you want to reach. Exactly, because... That's why I'm here. That's what I want out of this. I want to be, I want to have the type of life that the people doing this the best for possible a living. way and for a living can have and can do. Exactly, because it is possible. And once you start seeing it that way, that, you know, there's so many possibilities out there and you just have to find whatever, you know, whatever you like doing or whatever you want to be doing and just go, go all out, go all in. Burn the boats, baby. Mm-hmm. I love that. Burn the boats. I mean, I've got a couple questions that I like to ask towards the end of any interview. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't tell you about them before because I like to just get the most candid <laughs> answers possible. So take the time that you need to think about them. But the first one is if you could travel back in time and just talk to a younger version of Louise, having the knowledge and the wisdom that you have now, what are a couple things that you would tell him to do differently that you think would make all the difference that would help shortcut his success? Invest in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. Oh my God. If I could tell my middle school self, just buy some Bitcoin and you'll be set for life. Facts. Um, but honestly, like in investing in myself, because when I was in college, I was working at a Mexican restaurant. I was a cook flipping chicken and cooking rice and doing all those things. And all the money was was for myself. And I actually got paid really well. It was like 30 bucks an hour for, for cooking chicken. And I was making maybe like 800 to $1,000 a week. I didn't have any bills because I lived with my parents. And all I did with that money was buy shoes and buy clothes. And I mean, I traveled, which was, you know, I don't regret that one bit. But all those material things that I got, I mean, it's like, I don't even have those shoes anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, I would tell myself to invest more in myself, whether it's, you know, investing in, in skill sets or in the stock market or, you know, just being smart with whenever you have some level of cash flow, be smart with that cash flow because cash flow is always up and down. It is never just up. 
So you have to be careful sometimes. Agreed. I love that. Other question I have for you, because the show is called Profession Session, the goal here is to just figure out really at its simplest form what it takes to be professional at whatever you're doing. What does it mean to you personally to be a professional or to be professional? To be a professional. I don't know. I actually get told all the time that I sound super professional on the phone. Maybe it's just the way that I portray myself um, on the phone and talk to people. But I talk to people in a very respectful manner. Always sir, always ma'am. I try to minimize my filler words as well. Um, uh, uh, like things like that make you sound like shit on the phone. So I think it's just minimizing all those things and just becoming a better version of yourself. But I don't really know. Just kind of looking to improve in all areas, it sounds like. Yeah, I would say. What does it mean to you to be a professional at your craft? It's maybe a better way of asking that. Professional at my craft. I think... Doing shit regardless. That's it. Doing shit regardless whether you feel like it or not. One thing I wanted to ask you about too that we forgot to touch on as far as little kind of tips tricks habits tell me about the sad method sad method oh sad yeah that's actually one that i learned at the door-to-door which pretty much stands for speak act dress like the person that you want to become speaking obviously if you're trying to get to a high level you cannot get to an extremely high level by yourself you need people with you you need a team and if you can't lead a team effectively you'll not get there How do you lead a team? By communicating. So you have to learn how to communicate effectively and how to learn to talk to people in different ways. Just like I was saying earlier, you know, you can be a dick to someone and they might respond extremely well, but you can be a dick to a different person and they're gonna quit on you. So it's it's learning how to adapt to different people and how to communicate effectively. Um, The second thing is just acting. Actions speak louder than words. The only way to lead is by example. So if you're telling someone to do something a certain way and you're not doing it, they will never do it. The only way to teach someone how to do something is by you doing it and showing them how to do it. And then just throwing them out to the wolves, I think. That's how I learned, and I think that's the best way to learn. Just figure the fuck out. So act like the person that you want to become. And then dressing. I think if you look like a bum, you, you'll feel like a bum. Obviously, there's there's scenarios where there's billionaires that dress like bums, but they're billionaires, bro. That doesn't apply to you. I think you can leverage your appearance for people to think of you in a certain way because whenever you meet someone new, you have a thousand first impressions when you see them. What they're wearing, kind of watch they have on, if their shoes are all fucking dirty, if their teeth are clean, if their hair is, you know... They got a nice haircut, their beard is trimmed. Like, there's different things that you can do to leverage yourself to make you appear of higher status. And if you appear of higher status, you might get more opportunities. You might meet someone that says, hey, nice watch. Oh, yeah, and have a nice little conversation. And now you meet someone that's also a millionaire and they can teach you skills that will lead you to, to that. 
well, hey, nice suit, bro. Where'd you get that? Oh, here. The, and now you sparked a conversation with someone new and you met someone new. That's why I always say you should dress like the person that you want to become. You're wearing an awesome <laughs> suit. Thank you, Living bro. it out. Thank you, bro. Luis, this has been a very refreshing conversation. Is there anything else that you would want to leave the audience with? Um, I think, yes. If you have that desire to make it and have that you know, internal dialogue that you want to be successful, you will be as long as you keep making progress every day. And again, I told myself ever since I was young that I was going to make it. I don't know what what I was going to make it in. I wanted to be a professional soccer player growing up. That didn't, you know, that didn't happen. But I always knew I was going to make it. And if you have that mentality that you're going to make it in whatever it is that you do, you will make it. You'll win. But you have to think that way and you have to believe it. You have to truly believe it. I have videos of myself when I first started doing health insurance of me saying that I was going to be number one in the office, going to be number one in the company. I'm not number one in the company yet, but I've been number one in the office previously. And when I first started, if I would have said that, you know, people might have laughed at me. Like, bro, you just started. Shut the fuck up. But I truly believe that I could be number one. And if you truly believe that you can be the best, that you can win, you will win. Your time will come. You just have to keep going. For someone struggling with that confidence and needing to find it, how, what would you tell them to unlock that? Discipline. Discipline in yourself. And uh, I would say something that helped me is something that I got. For, I don't know if you know Andy Frisello, mm-hmm. MFCEO. Did you do the 75 hard? I haven't done that yet, but I, I do do the five critical tasks a day, uh, which is just five things that you have to get done. And when you do them, you win the day. And it can be as simple as reading 10 pages, working out, visualizing 15 minutes, um, this was my first five when I started. It was doing my bed every single morning. Now it's a habit. I just do my bed. So once it becomes a habit, you change it for something else. So I started with doing my bed, reading 10 pages, um, visualizing, taking a walk in the morning. And I think it was like follow up with five people or something like that. Follow up with 10 emails or something. And once those five things were done, I won the day. And once you start winning days, you start winning weeks. Once you start winning weeks, you start winning months. And all of a sudden, that's all you do. You just fucking win. So I think just having a discipline with yourself to do the things regardless uh, will make you feel better about yourself. Because, uh, and I, I still think about this moment, every, every, every time I, you know, every time I feel like I, uh, I don't, I don't want to do something, when I was doing that competition, that fitness competition, it's just, it's torture, bro. I mean, you're you're starving yourself, you're doing cardio, you're working out, you feel like shit all the time. But I would do those, ex- if I did 45 minutes of cardio, I would do 47 minutes. And I would feel a big sense of pride of me like thinking, no other motherfucker is doing these extra two minutes. No one is doing this, bro. And once you get that sense of pride, all of a sudden, you're just that much better than the other people because you just simply outwork them. But you also have this sense of pride of yourself that it's like, I do deserve this because I just outworked you. Love that. How can people find you? 
Um, they can find me on social media, the health guy, Luis, the health guy, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been thank a you for having podcast. me, bro. Absolutely, bro. That's a podcast. <laughs>